Amen. Wasn't that good this morning? If you have your Bible, please open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount, working our way real slowly through the Lord's Prayer. You know the Lord's Prayer. It begins with the priority of God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer starts with God. The priority is upon God, and then it goes on to the petitions of man. We have already looked at give us this day our daily bread, and that is where we're going to pick up here today. If you look there in verse 12, that's really where we're going to be. We're going to be uh, looking at a few other spots, other texts, but this will set us up. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is a beautiful word. There's a cemetery outside of New York, large old cemetery that is very well kept up. There's large headstones, small headstones, but in the very center there is a large headstone. It's unique because there's not a name on the headstone. There's not a date of birth or a date of death. It doesn't say beloved mother, father, wife, husband. There's one word that spreads across it, and it is simply the word forgiven. The individual wanted it to be known that they are at peace because they are forgiven. It's a relevant topic for every one of us in this room because let's be honest, we've all been hurt before, haven't we? You see, that there's two keys to the text. It says that you forgive others and then you find forgiveness yourself. And if we're honest, we will all come to the same statement that it is very difficult at times to forgive someone else. You think about it in your life, and every one of us have been hurt, and we've been hurt badly. Maybe a friend or a loved one stabs you in the back in one way or the other. Maybe someone that you love dearly was not loyal to you. Maybe somebody used you, took advantage of the relationship. Maybe an ex-spouse told you they don't want to be with you any longer, and they walked out, and it changed your life forever. Listen, every one of us in this room, we are different. We have different likes, different dislikes, but there's a common thread with all of us, and that common thread is that we have each been hurt. We've each gone through difficult seasons in our life. And let's just be honest, when we are hurt, it's hard to get over it. When we're hurt, it's hard to move on. And when we are hurt, it is hard to forgive. That's our topic, the idea of forgiving others. As we get started, I want you to ask yourself, is there anyone in my life with whom I am withholding forgiveness? Is there anyone in my life with whom I am withholding forgiveness. And sometimes we lie to ourselves. 
and we say this, well, I'll forgive, but I will never forget. Or I'll forgive, but I don't want that person in my life any longer. And there may be times that that is the best for both parties, but that is not the norm. You see, I looked up in the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary, the definition of forgiveness, listen to this. It says, forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only by the one affronted. Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the one affronted. And harmony is restored between the two. But that's why it's so hard to forgive. N.T. Wright says, forgiveness is when it did happen and it did matter. And you're going to deal with it and end up loving and accepting one another again anyway. It, it did happen. It did matter. It was a big deal. It hurt my feelings. It hurt my heart. It hurt me on the inside. It hurt you on the inside. But we're still going to work through it and come across the other side and love one another. It's hard to forgive. Amen? It's tough. Why is it tough? One reason is because... We're scared we're going to get hurt again. Self-preservation. What if I forgive and they offend me again? What if I forgive and then I end up getting hurt on the other side of it? And so we begin to build a wall up and to put a fence between us and the individual. Or maybe we don't forgive out of pride. Can you believe what they did to me? Who do they think they are? I deserve better than that. They stepped all over my rights. And so out of pride, we say, I will never forgive. Can, can I just ask you, what is the standard for forgiveness? What's the standard that we have? Is it popular opinion? Hope not. Is it the way that we feel? Hope not. Listen to me, the standard is in the Word of God. Amen? The standard for our life, the standard of forgiveness is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The standard of forgiveness is the way that Jesus has dealt with you. The way that I have received forgiveness, that is what I am to give also. So how did he forgive? He forgave in a big way. Anybody here been forgiven? Anybody here been forgiven a lot of sins? I mean, if you had to count them, they would go on and on and on and on, but yet you have found forgiveness? And, and we, we celebrate that. We rejoice in that. That is our standard for forgiveness. And so as we look at it, first thing I want you to see is there is a, a prereq to forgiveness. It said, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I want you to understand this morning, this is a, a serious topic in the Word of God. Your spiritual life depends upon this. It's not something we can just throw off to the side. It matters, and it matters a great deal. There is some potent stuff in the verses before us. Do you ever look at your life and begin to feel separation 
between you and God? You just look at life and you feel like you're going through the motions. Things just aren't adding up. You feel like you're not walking in victory. You feel like you're walking in defeat. And so you, you try to go and you try to do what you know is right. And so you begin to read your Bible more in depth. And then you begin to pray more often and you begin to really focus on your prayer life. And you make sure you're in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And somebody tells you about a, a new good Bible study. And so you, you get the Bible study and you go through the Bible study and you go to a life group and you go through the course and you're listening to Christian radio. You're trying to do everything that you know to make it better, but it seems like it doesn't work. Do you know the reason that your spiritual life might be short-circuited is because you've not gone back far enough? It could be that you're holding on to a grudge. It could be that there's this problem between you and someone else in a relationship, and because of that, you're being separated from the things of God. It is a big deal, a big problem in our spiritual life. The Lord's not giving you a release until you go and find reconciliation in a relationship. But oftentimes we tell ourselves it's not a big deal. It's not affecting me. It's really not a problem. This last month, I, I realized I've got a 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And so it's getting older, got a lot of miles on it, and I found that I keep losing coolant. About every week, I lose about a quart of coolant. And so I was trying to figure it out, and I was looking around. I'm too cheap to hire a mechanic. And so I, I was looking around. I checked the water pump, and I couldn't find a link at the water pump. Thermostat looked good. The radiator wasn't leaking. I got the hoses pressurized, and I was feeling all over them, and I couldn't find a leak. So I began to research, and I found that it could be my oil cooler. So I went, and I looked down in the engine, and sure enough, I see some coolant around my oil cooler. And so I go out, and I begin to take it apart. I've got to take off all these electrical connections, take off my, my top intake manifold, my lower intake manifold, then I'm going to get down to this oil cooler. And so I've got all my connections off, and I'm working on my, my top intake manifold. I've got all the bolts off except for one. There's a bracket on the side, and it's got a 13-millimeter nut on the bottom. And if I take that nut and loosen it, it allows the bracket to come to the side and for me to take the manifold off. And so I'm looking at this little 13-millimeter nut, and I can't get a socket on it because it's closed on one end. I can't get a closed in a side of my wrench on it because it won't slide into place. The only way I can get to it is the open end of my wrench. Some of you ladies are looking at me like this doesn't make sense. You guys, you got me, right? And so I slide my wrench in and I can only move it about this much. And so I turn that little nut about an eighth of a turn. And now if you know me, I like to work. I like to get things done, but I am so impatient. I mean, I just, I am so impatient. So I'm moving it, and I'm just barely at a time that i got to reposition and find the spot and move it up again. And I'm taking five minutes on this one nut. I take 10 minutes on this one nut, 15 minutes on this one nut. And at that time, I'm ready to throw the wrench across the garage. You know, I am just fed up. I'm, I'm losing my cool, and I'm ready to walk away from it. And I say to myself, it's just not worth it. I'm just going to put it back together and walk away. And as I start to think about that, 
I began to realize, if I don't get that nut off, that top manifold's not coming off. If I don't get that top manifold off, the lower manifold's not coming off. If I don't get the lower manifold off, I don't get to the oil cooler. If I don't get to the oil cooler, I can't replace it, and then I'm going to keep losing coolant forever. If I keep losing coolant forever, every time I drive, I'm going to have to get out of the car, open the hood, and put new coolant in it. Eventually, my engine's going to overheat. Eventually, I'm going to have big problems. As much as I want to just walk away from it, I realize it's not best for me. I've got to keep working on that little nut until it breaks off. Listen, there may be some hard nuts to crack in your life. There may be some folks that it seems like you got to just keep working and you got to keep moving and you're not making any progress. All you're doing is turning the nut just a tiny bit every time and you get tired of working. Amen? You get tired of it. You get tired of moving and you think what I need to do is just walk away from it. Listen to me, my friends. Don't walk away. Keep working. Keep working. Keep putting in the effort because if you don't, you're going to find that you're constantly going to the hood and putting more coolant in. You're going to find that it's never enough, and it's going to rob you of your spiritual joy. It's going to take away the joy of your salvation. It may be a hard nut to crack, but it's worth it because we're to love people. Amen? And so he keeps going here, and he's presenting this to us. The idea that we don't walk around holding on to a grudge, a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment from a past insult or injury. We don't rationalize it away and say, well, I'm okay to feel this way because I was hurt really bad. No, we understand the standard is the Word of God, and that's what we strive to live by. Now, I'm not talking about a work-based salvation. Don't think that's the point here. Remember when, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? He came to Peter, and what did Peter say? No, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And he said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then what did Peter say? Not just my feet. Here's my hands. Here's my legs. Wash my whole body. And he said, you don't need your whole body washed. You just need your feet washed. You're already justified. You're already saved, but you need that daily cleansing. You see, I don't believe it's a matter of our eternal salvation. It's a matter of walking with the Lord. Remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? And in Psalm 51, he prays and he says, Lord, restore unto me, what? The joy of my salvation. He's saved, but he's not walking in the joy of the salvation. When you go through your life and you're at odds with other people, you're not going to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. And so what is the process? Two things I want to show you. The process of forgiveness. You're in Matthew 6. Go back to Matthew 5, verse 21. Matthew 5, look at verse 21. I'll remind you that mercy leads to forgiveness. Matthew 5, 7 said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Titus 3 says, Out of his mercy he saved us. If you're a child of God, your life and my life should be characterized by mercy. Do you know what the opposite of mercy is? Opposite of mercy is ruthless. The opposite of mercy is critical. Opposite of mercy is cruel. If you're not careful, you begin to go through life and you begin to look for all the negative. 
you begin to be critical of everything that you see. And if that's true of your life, you're not showing mercy. You're not walking the way the Lord has called you to walk. But instead, we are to show mercy. You're going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for negative, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find negative. If you're looking for negative in this service, you're going to find something. You're going to find something that the preacher didn't say right or the song wasn't sung correctly. You're going to find what you're looking for in life. And so we're called to be merciful and not to be judgmental and critical all the time. Maybe that's just for me. I like it. Look at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 21. He says, you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, listen, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I, I love this verse because it's, it's, so, it's so intentional. You see, if we're going to forgive others, it never comes passively. Because to forgive others is not out of our sinful nature. It's, it's out of our sinful nature to hold on to things. So forgiveness does not come passively. It doesn't come naturally. It must be intentional. And so Jesus gives an illustration. He says, suppose you come to Woodland Hills Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. And you come in, and there's great songs being sung. And so you're trying to sing the songs, and you're, you're here to worship and you want to grow, you want to be closer to the Lord, but then preacher gets up and begins to preach on forgiveness. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit works the way the Holy Spirit works, and there's a relationship that begins to stir on your heart. And there's somebody in your life, and you begin to picture their face. And the conviction of God comes upon your heart, and you're just trying to worship. You just come on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord and to praise his name, but the conviction is so strong, and you begin to think about that individual. You know what Jesus says? In that moment, that moment of Sunday morning worship at Woodland Hills Baptist Church, in that moment, if you're really seeking the things of God, you're going to close your Bible. You're going to sit on the pew beside you. You're going to walk out the door in the back, and you're going to go and seek reconciliation. And then once you've sought out reconciliation, then you're going to come back, and then you're going to worship, and then it's going to mean so much more. You know, preachers, we hate it when somebody gets up in the middle of a sermon and they leave. We hate it. Brother, isn't that right, Brother Danny? We hate it when somebody leaves. When I preach this, I would love if people started getting up they started walking out the back door. We love that. Why? Because that's the biblical mandate. That's what the Bible says to do. If we're walking in the Lord, it says to stop the game, to stop the worship, go and be reconciled, and then come back. Do it immediately. Do it right now. Don't wait, because what do we do? We always have good intentions, and we say, well, I'm not ready right now. Biblically, it doesn't matter if you're ready. He says right now. You do it right away. It's so important that you can walk out of this place and then come back in because that's the best thing for you to do. 
Instead of having good intentions, let's be intentional on following the word of God. So he's calling us to that. He says, this is serious. This matters. Sometimes I'm afraid that we like to talk. And we like to say things like, I, I really love the Lord and I want to serve the Lord. And my heart is totally committed to the things of God. But when it comes time for action, it's a lot more difficult. Now, does this mean if you go seek reconciliation that you're going to get it? No, it doesn't. There are people that you may be at odds with, and if you showed up on their doorstep today, they would kick you out. That very well could be. But here's what it means. Here's the point. There may be a disturbance in a relationship, but don't let it be there because of you. There may be a problem in a relationship, but don't let anyone say it's because you've not sought reconciliation. You seek the reconciliation, and then you're freed from it. You seek reconciliation, then you come and you worship and you praise and you know that you're doing exactly what the Lord has called you to do. But until you seek reconciliation, we're not honoring the Lord with our life. All right, one more. Look over to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, I want to show you the wickedness of withholding forgiveness. Told you we got two points here. The last one I want to show you, the wickedness of withholding forgiveness. Who am I not to forgive someone else? Look there, Matthew 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? The Jewish culture was three times. Three strikes and you're out. And so he doubles it and adds one and says, hey, is it okay if I forgive seven times and then I'm out? And Jesus responds, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. You keep on forgiving. You keep on going. You don't stop in your forgiveness. And, and at that point, Peter probably had this look on his face like, I don't know if I can do that. And oftentimes that's how we are. I don't know if I can do that. That might be too much for me. And so Jesus tells a parable to get his point across. Look at there at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is an enormous amount of money. A talent is the highest denomination of currency in this world. A talent of silver was equal to 6,000 denarii. A, a, a denarii was one day's earnings, okay? And so when he says 10,000 talents, we're talking about 60 million days of work to pay the debt off. 60 million days of work to pay the debt off. In other words, you could never pay this debt off. The TNIV, it translates it as billions and billions of dollars. Think about the largest sum of money you can imagine, and that is what this man owes. He owes a debt that is so enormous. It's so massive. He is in debt up to his eyeballs again and again and again, and he will never be able to pay it off. Let's continue, verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children 
and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Have mercy, I'll pay it off. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. A huge debt, it's enormous and it's wiped out, it's forgiven. You know who that is in the story? That's you, that's you, that's me. Who here has sinned? Raise your hand up. Yeah, I know you guys, you've sinned and you've sinned a lot. I've sinned and I've sinned a lot. My sin is as high as the heavens. It keeps on going and going. I've done so much that I shouldn't have done. Thoughts that had no business in my mind, actions, intentions, things I did do that I shouldn't have done, things I shouldn't have done that I did do, so many sins. But yet by the grace and the love and the mercy and the compassion of God, my sins have been wiped out as far as the east is from the west. Amen? My sins have been cast to the bottom of the deepest oceans. My sin is no more. That's the love, the beauty, and the majesty of the grace of God right there. And so that's what we see in this moment. It's you and it's I. Okay? And now let's, let's continue. Look there at verse 28. And when the same servant went out, the servant that was just forgiven so, so much, he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now that's, that's a few months' wages. We're talking about a few thousand dollars compared to billions and billions of dollars. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison and he, until he should pay the debt. The man gets out of being forgiven so much and he's walking down the road and he finds a man who owes him a few dollars. And when he sees him, he grabs him by the neck and he begins to push and pull and push and pull. And he says, I haven't forgotten that you owe me money. Pay me what you owe me. Pay me what you owe me. And the man falls to his knees and he begins to plead, please have mercy. I'll pay it back as soon as I can. Please have mercy. But the man shows no mercy. He keeps pulling and pushing, pulling and pushing. And he says, I won't show any mercy. I'm going to throw you in prison. And that's his intent. And we look at that and we say, how in the world could that happen? How could you be forgiven so much and then show no mercy? But listen, when we withhold forgiveness, that's exactly what we do. When we withhold forgiveness, walk in animosity, hold on to a grudge, that's what we do. We've been forgiven so much. Every child of God in this room, you've been forgiven so much. Who do you think you are to hold back from giving that to someone else? You've received so much mercy and compassion. Who am I not to show just a little bit of mercy and a little bit of compassion? And when the fellow servant, verse 31, saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went, they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, listen, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Who am I not to forgive? Who are you not to forgive? We have a problem, it's sin. We have a provision, it's forgiveness of our sin. But before that, we must forgive others. Listen, as we close, children of God, we are to be characterized as those who forgive. You and I, above all people, should be characterized as a people who forgive. Why? Because it follows the example of Christ. 1 John 2 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus forgave. Even when he was being beaten, crucified, Father, forgive them. It follows the example of Christ. The reason your spiritual life might be flip-flopping may not be because church attendance or Bible reading or prayer time. It may be because of a relationship that's not reconciled, and that's what's needed. And it's needed immediately. I want to I close with a video. Some of you have seen this. I've shown it before. It went viral when it happened. But there was a young man one night about 1130 at night, and he was in his home, and he was sitting on his couch, and he was eating a bowl of ice cream. Sounded like a pretty good night, eating a bowl of ice cream. And about that time, a woman came into his home, opened the door, pulled out a handgun, and shot the man twice in the chest and killed him. You remember the story, the woman was an off-duty police officer who got off, and she came to what she believed was her home. They lived in the same apartment complex, but she was on the wrong floor level. And so she believed she was walking into her home, and she saw this man, and she thought he was a robber, and so she killed him on that spot. But in fact, it was, it was manslaughter. She killed him in his own home as he was eating a bowl of ice cream. It was, it was terrible, uh, terrible tragedy. But the trial began to go on, and the brother of the man who was killed got on the stand. And I just want you to see uh, his response. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. 
Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. And if you see this, they'll stand and they'll be embraced for several minutes. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says, love covers a multitude of, of sin. And the Bible says they will, they will recognize us by the way that we love one another. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I can't imagine, I, mean, I can't imagine this is easy. In our life when we're hurt, it's not easy. It goes against everything within us. Everything that says that's not right. Who do they think they are? But listen, when you show this kind of forgiveness, do you know what it shouts out? It shouts out Jesus. It shouts out the name of Jesus. Jesus is honored because of it. Jesus is glorified because of it. Because it doesn't make sense. Amen, glory to God with that. God is honored when we forgive. And I'll tell you, if you go out of this place and you've got a relationship that needs to be reconciled, it may not be on TV, but you're going to please the heart of God so greatly. You're going to please the heart of God. You say, Case, I can't do it. It's going to be so hard. You don't know what they've done. And I'm not belittling what anyone has done. Some in this room, you've experienced so much pain and heartache. But I'm telling you, when you honor God in this way, you're going to sleep so good tonight. You say, well, they won't accept it. That's not the point. The relationship might not be reconciled, but you do everything you can do. Make peace as far as it's upon you. Do everything that you can do, and then praise God in coming to this place knowing that you're walking in the Spirit of God. He's honored because of it. We are most like Jesus when we forgive. Nothing causes us to so nearly resemble God as the forgiveness of injuries. Life lived without forgiveness becomes a prison. Let me ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And the, the point today has been really, really focused, really simple. And I believe it is of the utmost importance. Are there any relationships in your life that need reconciliation? Is there any area in your life that you're just holding on to a grudge? And there, there's somebody that if they were to walk into this place and you just saw their face, your blood would begin to boil a little bit. Your blood pressure would go up. And you know that's not the peace or the joy that comes from God. And there's conviction right now in this room. A tough subject, but I believe there's conviction from the Spirit of God that is directing some of us to do something. Send an email, make a phone call, send a text message, make a visit, do something. And listen, the choice is yours. Don't stand by on good intentions, be intentional. Honor God, he's gonna bless that. Honor God. Maybe you're here and you've never received the forgiveness of God. So you look at it and you say, man, I, my sins are as high as the heavens and I've still got them. Maybe the Lord's calling you to salvation through this. 
He'll take every sin of your life and cast it away as far as the east is from the west. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all the ways you bless us and you take care of us. Lord God, I pray that we'll walk in dedication to you. We'll do what's right, even when it's not easy. Lord, I know this is a tough subject. It affects every one of us. But Lord, I pray this is one of those ways that we'll proclaim Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Stand with us. Let's sing together.